The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. So emotional control, obviously that's like controlling your emotions and like how you feel. And I think that, you know, it goes back to that thing I said about like having your, my identity so con so tied to like having been growing up in a Republican household. And then for you, I'm sure you, you can say like the cult, it's like you do have, and you went back after your mom died. There's an emotional tie there. Oh yes. We have um, to talk about that. So number one, manipulate and narrow the range of feelings. Some emotions and or needs are deemed as evil, wrong, or selfish. Teach emotion stopping techniques to block feelings of homesickness, anger, doubt. Make the person feel that problems are always their own fault, never the leader's or the group's fault. Mm -hmm. Promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness, such as identity guilt, you are not living up to your potential, your family is deficient, your past is suspect, your affiliations are unwise, your thoughts, feelings, and actions are irrelevant or selfish, social guilt, and historical guilt. Instill fear such as fear of thinking independently, the outside world, enemies, losing one's salvation, leaving or being shunned by the group, others' disapproval, and historical guilt. Okay, where do we start with this one? So the first thing I think that popped into my head on that last one um, in guilt is that I, before I was like outwardly child-free, I had quite a few friends saying, oh, we should get pregnant at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because the whole play date, let's raise our kids together type of thing. I mean, I've, I've had that too. Um, I think even, you know, to the conversation that, you know, child-free people we have with what happens when our friends start having kids. And, and even, you know, you can have close family members for that matter. Because I, I had that experience with my brother. And there was, my brother has never said for one second that I should have kids. My brother knows me the best and he, he agrees that I make a great child-free aunt and I should not be a parent because it just isn't, it wouldn't suit me. Um, but there's just that, for a second, it's like, okay, you know, how do you want to, do you want to still be a part of somebody's life? And it kind of goes back to our conversation about getting support from, our friends who do have kids or lack of support, you know, um, there was something else, but that kind of goes into the next topic. So I'm not going to. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you know, I've always thought that like the pregnancy pact things were weird energy. The what? The pregnancy pact things were weird energy. Oh, yeah, oh we should yeah. be pregnant at the same time. Like that, then we'll both be miserable. Like what are you talking about? But, but I mean, okay, so I, it comes to mind, something I saw in People magazine where it was uh, a set of twins who married another set of twins and they had kids at the same time. I've seen that family. They're very, they're, their children are, I think they're both identical. Like, I think the wives and the husbands are identical. Yeah, they are. Their kids are technically DNA-wise, they would come up as siblings. Oh. Because if you're both identical, you have the same DNA. Okay. Yeah. So their oh. kids are siblings, Curious. technically. Okay. If they took, like, an ancestry test, they'd come up as um, siblings, not as cousins. Interesting. Interesting. My brothers um, are fraternal, so they never have to worry about that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, even... Okay, so, uh, all right, are we going in order with this? Like, there's, there's so... For me, there's so much. Like, I think of... 
So yeah, let's just start, start with the manipulating and yeah. narrowing the range of feelings because I think that that is the core of it. Okay. So I think that well, the, the core, selfish and wrong thing for sure from our childhood. I mean, I th and I think that the core is like even if you are a parent and you are like this is hard or you question this or you're like I miss my they're not allowed to say I'm I sometimes miss my life before I have children. They're not allowed to say that, but I think that's a normal thing. Um, and I think it goes into also like the feelings that you have when your friends get pregnant, you know, that friendship's never going to be the same again. And that it's is okay correct. to grieve that. And yet we're mm -hmm. told we're evil for it. Or well, and that. also, uh, and that kind of goes along with the line of how do you respond when you find out, like, say your best friend gets pregnant, she wants, or he wants to tell whatever, whoever it is, they, they want the child. To me, I'm at the point where I, I, my first thought is not congratulatory. My first response is not congratulatory. Unless I know them super, super well and know that they've been wanting that forever. It's kind of like, how are you I feeling ask, with it? Like, I don't. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I Especially have to do that in this too, current right? climate with like all the abortion stuff and everything going on. I have mm -hmm. always been like, how do you feel about it? Except yeah. for my best friend in which I knew she was trying. Mm -hmm. Like, but I had already had that conversation of like, okay, you're trying, right? But if I don't yeah. know that they've been trying or that they've wanted it, especially I think being American, because America's <laughs> great. Um, nowadays, yeah, it's yeah. like if my friends who live in southern states tell me that they're pregnant, I immediately have to be like, how do you feel about it? Like one of my friends actually called me from a southern state and said, I'm pregnant. And the first thing I said was, I don't mean to sound like rude or anything. But is this you calling me asking me for you to come to Boston? Or is right, this right. you being happy about it? And, and she didn't get offended at that because okay, I think good. that if you live in the United States, you know that that's, that should be the new normal. Mm -hmm. You know, um, especially with me feeling kind of a, I feel like I have to put my money where my mouth is on those kind of topics, right? So I also think that you know, it's the immediate, oh, you get married. When are you going to have kids? Um, one of my friends just got married three months ago and they had the kids discussion and they said definitely not for like 10 years and maybe not ever. But people immediately were like, oh, when are you going to have babies? And it's like, can we be married for a year first? <laughs> I mean, where I'm at with this now, and this has a lot to do with, with, being a public advocate in this in the child free on the topic topic um i reach out to people privately because i have and and i i'm going to refer to my personal facebook page which i've only been recently kind of more public or putting my child free content on there i still do some personal stuff on there from time to time but those people most of them i actually have met in real life like they're you know acquaintances friends relatives, what have you. And more often than not, I am aware of their, their relationship situation. And I don't mean to say situation in a bad way, but there have been too many times where there has been a pregnancy announcement. I am aware of the relationship <laughs> and the issues in the relationship, and I see how they're presented. And that bothered me for a long time, but now it, this, again, now where I'm at with everything, I do not like, I do not comment. I reach out to them privately and we have a discussion. And look, I mean, I, I am supportive of what people want to do, but I am very aware of how they present themselves. And it does bother me, but I, I can't, 
I not that I can't. I don't say anything to them unless we're having a conversation and they need to share something. I I won't approach that. That's their life. I am you know like I've already been through the ringer with a, my brother and the mother of his two children. I, I've you know I've watched him go through hell and back. And I've you know when I was younger, I tried to do like some of us were trying to do interventions and all that stuff. And I realized like you can't you know you can't interfere. You know, but I, I am, what I can do is I, I am careful and deliberate in my response to people, you know, and I don't publicly congratulate people on pregnancies anymore. And not because I, you know, want anyone to feel bad or I don't, it's just, I, I can't do that um, because I, I, yeah, it's, that's just where I'm at with it. So, and, and now to the other side or continuing that part of that conversation, it's like, do I feel weird for not doing that? Because I'm not going to be happy and joyful. I'm going to be happy if you're happy, but I'm more err on the side of caution. Because we celebrate things without thinking about what we're celebrating and why we're celebrating it. And this, oh, yeah. to me, is is this this is is such a pronatalism thing, pronatalist thing, pronatalism, whatever. It it's. Like, it's just, we have that automatic default response. And that is something that I, that we need to evolve away from. You know, I, I feel always anyway. said, you know, I could go get my PhD in neuroscience tomorrow and post about it. And a 18 year old who hasn't graduated high school yet could say, I'm pregnant. And guess who's going to get more celebration? Exactly. Not you, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I can't wait till I graduate with the in December and I can be like, I have a master's because everybody in the child free chats could be like, yay, but I'm not going to get that anywhere else. No. And, and it's not about not celebrating pregnancies and stuff for people who want them. It's about celebrating other things too. Yes. You know, you can, yeah. and I think that like looking at celebrating other things can feel like it's detracting, but it's like, what about something that, you know, every mammal does? That's always what yeah. my thought is. It's like when people mm -hmm. say birth is beautiful, I'm like, do you think it's beautiful in like dogs and cats too? Or do you only think it's beautiful in humans? Or when they say birth's a miracle, it's like it's actually the absolute opposite of the definition of a miracle because a miracle is something that happens without any scientific explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally the opposite. Not to say that it can't feel like a miracle to someone, and I'm sure of it's course, cool if yeah. you want to have a kid to, like, if you want to have a kid and you're not grossed out by pregnancy like I am now, um, I'm well, sure it's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But I don't think it necessarily, and I understand, like, colloquialisms and, like, things that, we, like, language that we use. And I'm not asking for us to stop celebrating births. I am asking mm -hmm. for us to start celebrating other things as well. Yeah, and, and I also yeah. think that, like, you know, a, a woman could be a doctor, but as soon as she gets pregnant, the fact that she's a doctor goes out the window. And and as someone that's always been career driven, and and, and I, I wouldn't even say, I mean, I am career driven, but it's it's a little, it's more than that for me now. It's not like I need to have this career. I found something that that feels like a calling and is meaningful in a way I, I have never understood before. And I'm talking about what I do now as a child for advocate. Like I never imagined, well, I, I don't think of this as a career per se, because it's like, what is this exactly? Um, it's like me with writing. It's like, I have fun doing it though. So is it really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just going at a different level, like 
it's just going places that I never imagined. So it's, I'm just going along with it. But um, and I have the weird feeling just, that the child-free conversation is only going to get bigger and more chaotic for us. Well, chaos in a good way because this it, this conversation chaotic. is already is already uh, chaotic, but in a good way, and we'll. <laughs> I'll be editing some of it. Well, um, good to us. Maybe not good to like. Well, a but that, but that's the thing. I mean, th this is. I I I never have leveled myself as a disruptor, but you kind of have to be at some point. And I think, you know, again, this is where, like, you know, I I have the podcast, but this, and you know, even with convention, but this now, like, I'm I'm looking at the conversations I'm having with people, and this is a live one. I've recorded some some, uh, one other ones that will be available publicly. But I am at the point where I'm like, we have to dive deeper into this subject because a lot of it still is surfacey. And what's gonna happen is the response is going to be, like, I don't know what the response will be. Um, it's it's gonna be a little different and that's good. I'm ready for that. And, you know, I make sure that everyone's protected. But I, I just feel like in order to I guess in order for the conversation to be seen more, like to be taken more seriously, it's it has to be out of the child-free space. Like it, it's got to be go, it's got to reach beyond that, of course. Um, but okay, where was I going with this? Uh, so I actually want to read a passage from this book that I have. Because okay, which I, which book are you refer? And say the title so anyone listening. I am referencing the Second Sex by Simone de Beauvoir. Okay. Uh, she is an existentialist, but this was written before the second wave feminist movement in America and in some ways inspired Betty Friedan to write the feminine mystique. Okay, and when, and when was this written? Trying to find the year. Hold okay. on. 1949. Oh, so recently. Okay. 1949 was recently? <laughs> it was published in two volumes, though. I believe the original volume came out earlier, but I have the whole. Okay. It was originally in French, too. I'm not reading it to you. French. Okay, good. Because I'm Canadian, but I don't understand French, like, beyond grade two. <laughs> um, the woman who feels affection for her husband will often tailor her feelings to his. She will welcome the pregnancy and motherhood with joy or misery, depending on whether he is proud or put upon. Sometimes a child is desired to strengthen a relationship or a marriage, and the mother's attachment depends on the success or failure of her plans. If she feels hostility toward the husband, the situation is different. She can fiercely devote herself to the child, denying the father possession or, on the other hand, hate the offspring of the detested man. And that, I wanted to read that because it goes back to your point of when people announce pregnancy things and you know what's going on in the relationship. And this was 1949. This is not something that anybody was saying in 1949. Right. Except for Simone de Beauvoir, who refused to ever marry and had a bunch of affairs, even though she's buried next to Sartre. Um, they have an interesting relationship. I really enjoy it. I really like it. <laughs> but interesting she was a woman who was best ones. child-free, unmarried, and hanging out with all the existentialist males. She was the first woman certified to teach philosophy at the University of Paris. Ever. Nice. Um, and so oh, why are we on slide number two? Sorry, I think oh. that was my fault. Okay. But to read her take on like the emotional aspects of motherhood in 1949 just proves mm -hmm. to me that there have been women feeling this way since at least 1949, if not before. It's just that back when women had to get married, these women would be spinsters. Look, I, I, okay. 
I, it's been a while since I read the Bible. I had to read the Bible for a very long time. I, I can't even pull references really anymore. But there is no doubt in my mind that this has been a feeling since time began, whenever that was. And again, I'm not saying the Bible is real. I, at this point, don't think it is. But that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> like I said, we have a disclaimer for Child Free Media. Any thoughts and opinions expressed are solely those of the speakers and not of Child Free Media, even though I am partly Child Free Media. But anyway, um, I just, you know, I, I just feel that that this is not a new feeling. It's just we're able to express it on a level that's never been done before. So. Yes. There's, there's no way that everyone, I mean, there's no way that no one, the women did not have, cis women did I mean, not have these feelings before. This woman in 1949 calls a fetus a parasite. And the, wrong? the amount of gumption that must have taken. Yeah. I would be scared to, like, I would be intimidated to stand next to this lady in a room, honestly, after that. But I'm not no. saying that that's how I feel about it. But what I'm saying is it's like this proves that we have always existed it's yeah. just that we've been quiet about it and we're not we're not disrupting anything right um it's a good point okay so i think that a lot of the pushback on our community now is that we're not staying quiet about it oh of course because then emotional control and also if you tie yourself so emotionally to being a parent that you're tying your self-worth, you're tying your identity, of course someone saying that's not for me and I'm happy anyway is going to make you feel some type of way, but it's up to that person to kind of again deconstruct that. Like, yeah. why am I so mad that this person doesn't like children? Yes. I don't get mad at people because they don't like dogs. Like I'm not in your DMs every day like I just really think you should get a dog. Now, See, now, why do I feel the need to defend the fact that I, like, I don't dislike pets. I just don't want them on my own, and I don't like them coming up to me it's, if I don't give them permission. Again, and I think that, like, pet-free pe pet women, especially pet-free women, have even more, because it's like, at least I can still publicly, like, show that I'm nurturing something. Look, I'm nurturing the child-free community. You can't tell well, me. I mean, I'm not you are, but like I'm saying, I think that's where that I think that's where that defensiveness comes up. But like what I'm saying, yeah, is no, I you're right. You're right. Child-free pet parents going to pet-free people and being like, you have to have it. Like, yeah. like nobody's like that. I, I don't know. I, I did have someone. Well, no, it wasn't a child-free person. It was it, it was somebody from who knew me from cult days who was very, very um, against me speaking out about being child-free free because her daughter is is on the fence and her daughter tends to side with me so i know that she i was kind of influencing She's her scared she won't get and and she said she this is when i blocked her she sent me a message and this was two years ago because she was she was chiming in on my instagram and i'm like do you not realize your your comments are public but she sent me a dm she said why do i keep going dark she said she you said um dark. she's like you know, you shouldn't be so passionate about being child free she's like you need to get a man and a dog I'm like, what am I going to do with either of those? <laughs> I was just like, I mean, okay, fine. Man, sure. Dog, no. But I, I was like, but that's yeah, the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, dog, yes. Man? Mm. Well, I mean, look, the, the man can have his own house. The dog would have to that's live true. here. Like, no, right? So I'm Why don't you get a man? You could get a man with a dog. And then the dog and the man no, live in his house. I, I don't like to, I don't want pets traveling with me. Not that I'm sure I want people traveling with me, but no, it's just, sorry. I sound, I sound so anti-social. No, you don't have to get defensive with me. I'm like, all of this is a joke because that's just so <laughs> ridiculous. But here's the thing, that it brings up ridiculous. another point. Sometimes 
people who want grandchildren can be more pronatalist than people in our generation who want kids. Oh, yes. Remember when I said that the lady who was a grandma kept coming at me for, like, no reason because I shared a I regret being a parent post? Like, it was just very ridiculous. I sent you the DMs. You saw them. It was, like... And, like, when when she said mothers are selfless, I wanted to, like, just post all the links to crimes where mothers killed their children. Like, and, like, that was... But I, I refrained because it was on my personal Facebook. Yeah. But, again, it's, like... There can be really awesome people who are parents. There can also be assholes who are parents. There can be really awesome child-free people. There can also be assholes who are child-free. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And yet, we're not allowed to judge their entire community off of the actions of one person, but they can see one child-free person say, I absolutely hate kids and judge the rest of us till the cows come home, right? And that's where I draw the line. It's at the hypocrisy. They're entitled to their feelings. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, but you can't take the heat. So do you call people out for doing that? I, I, I have been mm-hmm. in the past couple days on this. And mostly I've just been calling them out for hearing I'm child free and then just not listening to anything else I said. Because I'm like, right. you're just being hip- hypocritical right now. Like, yeah. Okay. Or uh, attack child free people and think I'll agree with them because I do like children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, no, we're not coming from my community because first and foremost, that's my community. Like, you can't give me a backhanded compliment, like I've said multiple times, and then subtly attack every other child-free person because, honestly, the majority of child-free people are not going to tell a kid to screw off, right? Like, if a kid comes up to us and says hi, we're just going to be like, hi. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing I would do if any stranger came up to me. Like, right. there's no child-free people who actually wish harm on children. But apparently mm-hmm. us wanting to pay extra for child-free flights means we want children to go away forever and get hurt. Like, like It's like the logical jumps that are not there. There's like no connection between like what we're actually saying and what they're hearing, right? There, well, and I, th- cool. I feel like a lot of it is too that the minute they, they kind of agree with at least half a point that's them acknowledging that oh i could have done something different i i just i get that feeling from a lot of them you know where like like you said earlier as someone who's happy in their choice to have kids is supportive of our choice to not have kids i've had that experience time and time again but when someone has a little inkling of like you know i could have thought about it but they they are not ready to even tackle that subject because for fear of what they think that implies not what it does imply what they think it implies they think it implies that they hate their children exactly but see but this is the thing this is where like the lack of communication and because if no one's talking about how that does not mean anything it's just a thought like and just a realization that oh i could have had a choice doesn't mean you feel any differently towards your kids or your experience or whatever we're allowed to doubt our choices we're allowed to like think about alternatives i mean i mean that's not how i was raised but that's what i've come to understand you know and i i just again i just feel not sad but i i feel inspired to again keep talking not to people but talk like having conversation i should say because i prefer to have conversation and i also think it's telling that both me and you have said time and time again i have come that you can come on a live with me 
you can, yeah. you can, you can or are you giving me permission or no? <laughs> oh no like but like back to the parents who want to yeah say oh for sure if you want to talk about this on a live i can and then suddenly they're dead silent yeah you know and, and again like it's it's like you want to you want to dish it out but you can't yeah. you can't have a conversation and to me that is like the signifier of somebody who is in a cult like environment right because the parents who support our decisions will talk about it with us privately I mean, they might not want to be public but they'll at least have conversations yeah but like people who i have invited to dm me i even invited people to this event and did any of them show up? I don't think so. It's okay. We'll have the links available. You can send it to them and they can watch in right, the privacy like, of their own home. And like, it's, but it's funny to me when I'm like, do you want to actually have a discussion about this or do you just want to yell at me? Yeah. Does it make you feel better to yell at me? Because you think, and that's people, the other thing. There's this perception of child free people as not caring about like anything else, having no cares in the world, us all being mm -hmm. rich, us all jet setting. We're basically the Kardashians to them, right? You Although the Kardashians like don't have a bunch of kids except for Kendall. Yes. You know, but like that's what they act like we are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm asking you to have a conversation with me, but you just want to fight. And that's like the telltale sign because people who are still in cults and cult-like environments too going back to the cult thing is someone they don't want to have conversations either it's just like trying to talk to somebody who's cute on the, the way that i have gotten people to deprogram is just by being nice to them well I, and like people I understand a lesbian and i'm talking to or a bisexual and i'm talking to someone who's deep in fundamentalism and they realize oh gay people don't hate us they're not simple. This girl's cool. I mm -hmm. like, you know, but to sow that seed of doubt, it's like, again, you can't force people to deconstruct. But I do also believe that a lot of people, if you don't deconstruct on your own, you will almost be forced to at some point. And that's a lot yeah. harder when you're forced to than mm -hmm. when you do it on your own. And, you know, to, to what you said earlier, like people, I feel like people are more comfortable with yelling and arguing than actually having a conversation that makes you look a little differently at something. Again, but, but people think that that means they're going to change their mind. That's not what it is. It's just looking at, look, looking a bit like, it's like no one is view, a, wider view, right? No one is expecting you, if you already have kids, to listen to our conversation and go, all right, kids, we're going to the orphanage today. Like, nobody's expecting that. <laughs> But here's the thing, exactly. child-free people don't want to push their, I think that the reason that they assume child-free people want everyone to get rid of their kids is because they want everyone to have kids. Well, you know, it makes me wonder again, I keep referencing my aunt because that, 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 it didn't bother me, but because I, I'm, I fully expect all kinds of reactions with people, but because she's child-free herself and was, you know, someone who was, I, I looked, I have looked up to, and I still do to an extent. But it, it makes me, I, I start to see it as like, she she viewed that, I don't even think she read it. She probably just looked at the the heading, which is a bit, you know, it's, it's kind of clickbaity. But I feel that she's thinking, I'm telling people to get sterilized in order to be child-free, which I absolutely am not. Like I said, I'm not even sterilized. I'm not going to get sterilized unless the IUD doesn't work, meaning like for... But you purposes, like, but like of me and Brianna, like you know, it's like yeah, you no, want to get sterilized and also support 
your friends in there. Exactly, but I'm not saying, oh, you have to be sterilized to be child-free. I'm not Literally saying... the first sentence was, Lenora Faye is not sterilized, but... She's exactly, exactly. I mean, because it wasn't something that I needed to do. If If the IUD doesn't work, meaning as far as, like, the period stuff, then I would, you know, look into other things, but I'm... Like but it's working no, for you, and you don't. It's have the working for me, have. right? And you know? and I just and, I think, and so I I feel like I I this is my my thought is that she looked at the article like didn't without even reading it because if you read my segment, I, there was nothing about it that screams I'm telling people to get sterilized. I'm just adding to the conversation. But I think I think this is like in in general and my, my like taking me out of it. I think that you know, people look at what we're doing in the child-free space or just the child-free community as a whole and, and they're, they, it scares them because it makes you question. And and this is, okay, so this is something with like my, my experience deconstructing from the cult is that there got to a point, and this was after I joined the second time because the second time it was my choice, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> like there was a lot of dogma going, you know, your mom died, you have no one. Cause I, like, look, I went through that experience alone. My, uh, my, my, I mean, my, my dad had that community. He lost his life partner. He had that community. My brother actually had his ex-girlfriend, which is how I became an aunt. <laughs> I went through that experience oh. losing my oh. mother. I, I, I see now. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I guess, let me put it this way. Both my dad and my brother had a place of comfort. I did not. Your nephews were born after your mom died, correct? Yes, my my oldest nephew was born on my birthday. He was conceived a month after my mom died, and he's like a splitting. You guys have the same birthday? Yep. I became a nun on my 20th birthday. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It's kind of cool, though. That's Um, my aunt. My aunt was, uh, she had her 24th birthday, and I was born two weeks later. She was like, cool birthday present. No, it it was pretty neat. (laughs) But my when aunt was kind of like my sister. My aunt always jokes that her first baby picture is Carrie sees Angie for the first time because, like, she's like my mom is just like has always been. My grandparents started going away for her birthday is when she turned twenty one, and she said, "You know what? I really enjoyed the birthday that you before you were born because they stayed in the country." <laughs> Whatever it takes. That's that's not a reason to have children, but okay, whatever it takes. But so my aunt was the one. My aunt didn't have the kids, but my aunt was glad my mom was like eight months pregnant with me because she was like, they stayed in the country for my birthday that year. That was cool. (laughs) So I gave her like a great birthday present without even existing. Um, But I think that this goes into instill fear. I think that the fear is that, you know, it's kind of like the you're going to act like like we do. Because mm-hmm. I think deep down they know that they push it on people. So they assume that we're pushing, like, two people. It's right. kind of like, okay. okay, I'm going to compare it to, like, the gay versus straight kind of existence, right? Somehow st- some straight people thought that they were losing rights because gay people gained the ability to get married. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not losing anything. Somebody else is just gaining a right. But I think it's because they knew that they were wrong deep down. Ooh, yes. Okay. Well, so, I mean, then you, you could say, what like... What you're losing is actually people agreeing with you. You're but not you could also say that on the race side of things, too, though. Right. It's like right? Once, once we did... Uh, de- well, desegregation in the United States led to the pro-life movement. 
um because they wanted more white they didn't want to be the minority and, and the kind of like to me it's like when they white still don't want to be the minority when white people say i don't want to be the minority i'm like why does america like treat minorities wrong but the thing is i've never heard one black or hispanic person or brown person say i want to take rights away from white people you know <laughs> like Fair no point. one says that <laughs> That would be very confusing in my situation because I'm half black and half white. So what am I going to do? Well, I said if they overturn Loving v. Virginia, are my parents still married? Well, and that that is that is scary. As a product of an interracial marriage, that is a, a scary thought. I mean, again, different situation up here in Canada, but um, that, that hits close to home. It really does. You know, I think, again, like... People don't want kids born out of wedlock, but if you overturn Loving v. Virginia, there's going to be a lot more bastards in the United States, right? <laughs> but but it, but the the heart of it, what do what do people care about? Are they are they like we? I think it's you know we talk about this in in even morning chat, and Chanel brings this up a lot because it's it's such a good point. It's like, do they even really care about the people who are born? It's just like just getting yeah. people, just getting new births happening, and then and then that's it. Like you're on your own. It's just. It's so ridiculous. Like I, I just feel I mean, because that... look, look at the states that have outlawed abortion, and look at how well. And Texas's DCF system, their Department of Family Services (DFS), they have children in hotels. They cannot okay. get enough foster parents. But that doesn't stop them from, like, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. And then, meanwhile, in states that have that want abortion. We have great systems. We have we have public transportation here. We have expanded Medicaid. We have there's a there's a, a community organization next door where you can get a whole bag of fresh farm grown local vegetables for two dollars a pop, and that's mm. subsidized by the state. And these programs, Mississippi doesn't have water right now. Jackson, Mississippi doesn't have running water, so you don't care about those pregnant women. How long has that been going on? That isn't, it's not like. Since they had a flood and they said it's. It, oh, it okay. Might be, it might be inevitable. And I, Jackson is, you know, and, and like the thing is the governor was like, yeah, we've known for years that this was bad. Sorry. I'm like, I've been sitting in the same position for hours. <laughs> I'm changing I'm my restless myself. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Let, let's, let's keep going down the list. Cause we still have one more slide to go through after so I this think one instill fear again that's just going back to that i it's also a fear of again what you said it's a fear of realizing you could have made a different choice yeah and, and then how does someone are, to un to unpack us, that right right and i think that the people who are most fearful of talking to us are the people who might decide that they don't want to be a parent anymore and then you're stuck yeah or well, i that fear too you know and i, I also have to wonder i i want to ask your opinion why no, are there can't. so many more pro like to me it's like grandparents are the worst when it or parents who have older children are the worst when it comes to perinatalism. Like you're like someone the, the person you grew up with, her not wanting her daughter to listen to you. But then again, you said your brother, your nephews know what you do and mm -hmm. they're allowed to talk to you and your brother's not scared. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that some, I think some people who want grandkids are even more pronatalist than people who want kids? Well, I, I know in this particular situation, this woman, that's her whole identity. She got married very, very young as kind of a standard in, in that organization. And because that was expected, I mean, my parents did not expect that of me, but I went to five weddings the year I graduated from high school. The youngest was 16. 
Right. And so like that, that was her experience. She had kids. She moved to different countries. She was originally from New Zealand. She moved to Canada, met somebody. She was like 17, 18, got married, had two kids. And she never, I mean, there, there was about other things at play. Um, but that was her entire identity was being a, a mother. So again, she's known me since I was, I was young and, and we are parents, like she was friends with my parents, her and her husband were friends with my parents. And I was, I was very surprised at that reaction. But when I look at that, that has been her entire identity, you know, and I, anyone that knew me as a young person, I've like, this is why I, I mean, I got into music really young, but I developed a career for myself very young too. I was 15 when I started, I had a music studio and I was performing because that was my way out. That was, and that, and actually to that point though, that's why my career crashed, like from the musician side of things was really hard because that was my entire identity because I, I used yeah. music as a way to get out of the cult. Even though I went back, I was still working as a musician. So when that died at like the end of 25 and 26 around the quarter life crisis, You're that broke me. That broke me. I mean, it was one of, it was almost, it was kind of worse than losing my mother because my entire identity was, was wrapped up as being a violinist and I did not know who I was. So, it took me a few years to, to get over that and and then figure out who I was just as a person. And so I can understand that, you know, when someone makes children their entire identity, I mean, you can you can use this anything. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be kids. It can be anything. When you make something your entire identity and then that goes away, it's like the scariest thing in the world. And to me, it may look like child-free whatever is my identity, but I, I, it's not. It's, it takes up most of my time. You're just public about it because that's. What I am, do. but I, I, I have a strong sense of self at this I point, will, right? I so, will also say I got really, really deep into the LGBT community and the lesbian community, like okay, really, really like because those were the people that I related to the most, right? Nobody cared when I when I discovered that I was attracted to men, but I made it such an integral part of my identity that I yeah. had a crisis. I had yeah. I I explained this as like I when I figured out I was attracted to a man, I was almost as freaked out as someone who's deep into conservative Christianity and figures out they're gay. Well, it, look, sexual. I mean, we we've talked about this, and we haven't actually talked about sexuality as much as I think we were going to, but. But I think that there it's, is, when you make your sexuality your entire identity, or the, yeah. the fact that I was attracted to women my entire identity, that was on me. That was not anything the community was doing. But, but, that was but at me. the same time, you can't fault yourself. Because I, I understand that in the sense that, like, again, upbringing, it was, it's just told, you're taught, you're, you're not even taught, you're just told. I went head first you're going to be attracted I, to a man, right? Right. And, and for me, it's like, I think, I used it as a form of rebellion against greater society. I mean, when I was younger, I was like, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. I still don't want kids, but I would like to be married one day. And I think I've told you, I don't want a wedding. Why? I, I want <laughs> right? Um, But it's not even marriage. It's more like I would like a life partner. But you can have a life partner without being married, though. That's true. I think for me, I want the tax the benefits oh you want you want the i don't get tax benefits yeah. for children so i would like Fair enough. um and just that it's like for me it's like i and i like the idea of living with a partner but it would have to be someone who i know i can live with you know i i think 
Now, do you think you know that sooner rather than later? You're gonna wait ten years to figure that out. <laughs> that you can um, live with somebody. Well, I tried it when I was like twenty-two, and it didn't work out. And well, I haven't tried it since. But yeah, I mean, um, I think I was too young. You know, I also. But think also, too, I, it wasn't the right person because I've done right. that too, and it's just like it was fine like, for a time, but no. It's like I think. There are things that I can notice that I'm like, this would be compatible or this would not mm -hmm. be compatible. Yeah. And where I am now is like, there's a lot of things that I know so I'm like, we'd actually be super compatible. Like neither of us really watch TV that much. Like stuff like that. Just like little things that like you don't think about. Right. Right. Like my ex who I lived with was playing video games all night. and wouldn't pay attention to me to the point where I walked into where he was playing video games in like lingerie and he didn't even look at me because I was trying that hard to like get his attention. That's not something that I want to do anymore. Right? Yeah. Oh no, it's good to know but what I also noticed about, yeah. like little things like that relationship I can think about when we were out, it was like it wasn't very affectionate. Like mm -hmm. where I am now, it's like he can't he he has to be touching me. Like you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Like and I that's important to me. Like physical affection mm -hmm. is important to me. Um, I don't really believe in love languages because I'm a little bit of everything, but I do think that there are certain ways in which people express those things that, like, work for me or don't work for me. I think that the other thing is, like, the autism. It's, like, there are some things that I just cannot make myself do. So right, I would need right. a partner who can pick up those things and then let me do the things that I'm really good at, like, as mm -hmm. far as household stuff, right? Well, look, um, compatibility, love language or not, like, yeah, you have, there's right. got to be the right. But I think that you can notice sure. that. Um, yeah, that's true. But I think a lot of people don't look for that stuff. I think well, that's how you, you see so many people splitting up after having two kids and stuff. It's like when you when you get pregnant and you're still in the honeymoon phase of the relationship, you're just in so much bliss because yeah. of all the hormones and all the attention and all the congratulations. And then, But it's like five years from now, mm -hmm. are you going to be able to say that? And, and I, I think I told you that we had had a conversation about him kind of saying, well, I always thought that I would have kids. And he told me what he would name them, which is funny because one of the names was actually a name that I had chosen back when I thought that I yeah. like, went bonkers for some reason and thought that I maybe wanted them. Um, and I was like, okay, well, that's weird. But like, anyway, um, I told him, I'm like, listen, like, I'm very, very set in my decision. Like, basically, my partner would have to, I would have to be an absent father in this, in this scenario for, for this to work for me. Like, okay, kiddo, let's go to McDonald's, like, once a month. I mean, I mean, look, to, to be to be completely honest, I'm like, that's even too much. I just, just. For me, it's like no kids whatsoever. Right. And I think I was using it, but then but, it was, but then he was like, "But I don't really want them," and I'm like, "Then you should right. have them." Well, okay, and so what was the first let's... time that someone had said to him, "If you don't want them, you shouldn't have them." It was like the first time, and I think that's what we forget because we're in this space that some people mm -hmm. have never had somebody say that to them before. Well, and you know, okay, so that that reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody who was really active in the child-free space for a time, and they were convinced that we had already covered all the basics of conversation and we needed to go somewhere else with the child-free conversation. And I had to remind them that there's always going to be people who are new to the child-free choice, to awareness, like, 
and and that doesn't mean that they're young. They're just not aware. And these these conversations, like you, you always have to remind people that it's a choice, that you don't have to have kids. It's so basic and simple. And yeah, for some of us, it's already set in stone. So you forget that you need to reiterate it from time to time because people do need to hear just that basic thing. You don't have to have kids. And, right. and I think that there's you know, like a fear when somebody doesn't tell you it's okay and you've never heard someone say it's okay, mm -hmm. that's the fear. The fear that yeah. you're the only one. If you've never heard of the child-free community before and bef use this as a thing, he, the, our first he was like what is child free right so like why are you all over the place with this and i'm like well it's this first time ever hearing about it and actually one thing that he said to me which i thought was funny was you're lucky you're attractive <laughs> what because you can talk about it and i was like what does that have to do with what, what, what? i was like that was that to do with it and he goes well I've never had anybody say this to me before. And if I wasn't like really attracted to you right now, I would probably be like, what is this lady talking about? <laughs> but that's, that's his man brain. <laughs> I was going to say, can we have a conversation about objectifying people, please? Um... <laughs> and like the weird thing is he really doesn't. And he, but I think it was just like a, it was like a first date. Like, okay, that's this funny. lady is yelling at me about not having kids. <laughs> like what's happening? <laughs> It's a good thing you're attractive. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, look, look, I, I tend can be vain. I like to feel like I'm attractive to some people, but at the same time, it's kind of getting over that. Like it's it's that's so weird. Okay, we need to wrap this section up and go to one more. Right, so let's just social guilt, historical guilt. I mean, oh, I just want to say about the historical guilt thing. I don't think we talked about this so much, but it was no. When... We were talking about the forced sterilization thing in our in our meeting and stuff. And what... well, but also to um, you know, people like child free people feeling guilty for not providing their children their their uh, parents with grandkids or like I said I like I had that moment for a sec like where I said to my brother I'm like I'm never gonna like you're not gonna be an uncle. And he's like, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I even talked to my nephews. Like, I'm not giving you guys cousins. And they're like, I'm. They're like, we're okay with that. We have got two cousins. We like that's good enough. They get more attention anyway from you. Oh, exactly. Like, no, like it's just like no kid's gonna be like, yeah, I want cousins when like you're the cool aunt. Like, right? exactly. Like, no kid's gonna be you like, no, shopping. take attention away from me. Like, they're not gonna care. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think it, it's good. Like, there is that that element that because we're taught that this is what you have to do, this is what you must do in order to, even if they don't say you have to have kids it's like well in order for you to be seen as valuable or to to contribute to society or all the lists you kids are the way to do it and my i just feel me, like you know i talked to my mom about this because like i i had the conversation i was like are you not sad that i'm not giving you grandkids and she said She's responded, she responded two different ways. She said, well, I would be worried about you, like, leaving the oven on and the baby, like, crawling into the oven or something. Because, like, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of gone sometimes. I'm like, I haven't killed any of my animals yet, mother. <laughs> like, but she actually, that was back when I, like, when she first accepted it. I don't think, I, when I came out, her tears were not for me being gay. They were, they were tears that I would never give her a biological grand, grandchild. Right. How did you um, feel about that? And to me, I was like, oh, God, here comes the second part of the conversation, oh, right? Because yeah. then that kind of forced me into this, I didn't want to give you grandkids anyway. Okay. 
And I had said it when I was three, but like, I feel like she thought it was cute and funny back then because she knew I wanted to, I used to, my aunt, I, I used to scream like, I want to be a, I'm going to redact my aunt's last name, right? <laughs> um, I used to scream about how I wanted to go live with my aunt all the time. Like, I just wanted to be like my child-free aunt's like bestie and I still, mm -hmm. I am her bestie, right? But like, I, I did not like having siblings. I think I would have functioned better as an only child. I, I mean, I couldn't help the, the older ones, right? <laughs> but my mom well, was like, well, you we have the younger one? <laughs> well, no, my mom was like, I had your sister so that you could like play with her and have a friend and you just always hated her. I'm like, well, did you ask me if I wanted a sister? Because I bet you I would have told you because I was always a kid. Again, autism. I would just like tell my mom, like, right. I don't want that. I literally, she came home from the hospital. I think it was like a month in. They had a garage sale. She was sitting outside with my mom and her carrier. I drew, I, I wrote free and put a piece of paper on her carrier. <laughs> said free to good home. Oh my goodness. Um, And my mom like realized that like she kind of was like, okay, well, I guess they're not going to be besties. And like I said, like I love my sister as my sister, but like we're not people who would have been friends with each other had we not been siblings. Like, right. Like I care about her. I don't want anything bad to happen to her, but like we just have never we don't have that yeah. close sibling relationship and i think that makes my mom sad but you know after she kind of got over it and then after i proved that i can take care of animals she was like i didn't have you to have grandkids i had you and your sister because i wanted my own kids but the, isn't that selfish yeah I told her, I tell her every day. I tell my mom every day that she was selfish to have us, but I don't mean it in a bad way. No, I just I, I, you know you wanted us. So how can that not be selfish? Yeah. All right. We got the last slide up. So let's, uh, right. let's go through this. Extremes of emotional highs and lows, love bombing and praise one moment and then declaring you are a horrible sinner. I have two thoughts about this one. Okay. The first one is, you know, you get through the baby shower you get through all the people wanting to see the baby, and then they leave moms, they leave people on their own after that. It's like you get yeah. this rush of attention, and then other people have their own lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we get moms feeling like lonely. On the other hand, people will celebrate your accomplishments as a woman until you announce that you're child free. Uh, yeah. I can't argue with that because, especially. Okay, so th this this is it's not a weird example, but people understood when I said I was a violinist and a music teacher. People understood that. So never once did anyone ever hear me say I'm going to have kids. But if I if I were st if that was still my career, people would understand that. Do people understand why I say I'm a child-free lifestyle advocate and I start sharing articles I'm in? Or I say, hey, I started child-free media. Or we've done two global conventions now on this topic. Do you think people, how do, how do people respond? Like, how do nor normal people respond to that? They don't. They don't know how to. And that's fair. I'm not expecting them to know. But even just on the career aspect of things, people could understand what a violinist was. But they can't understand what I do now. Not right, in a I little bit. Like we have all these moms, I think, feeling lonely because you get the, you do get this rush of attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm not blaming anybody for wanting that attention. Attention is nice sometimes, like it is get your attention. But the fact is that I feel like it's a false sense of community. 
Well, it so is because what in the community, and then they're only interested in the baby. Well, I'm I gonna say only, it's not personal, really, not, not right. really. And, and I'm the first, and I'm, I always ask new moms, like, how are you doing? And when all my friends give birth, I send them self care for them. I don't send anything for the baby. Right. Because everybody else is buying you stuff for the baby. Yeah. I get you stretch mark cream, bath bombs, face masks, make like, I want them to feel pretty. And, you know, there's another thing that I, I've seen, again, reading articles and just even talking to people who have kids. It's just, especially, and, and okay, I've learned a lot from my brother because my brother's been very open about, you know, being a parent, of course, being a single dad with two kids full time. And, and again, his experience is different from someone being a single mother, but there, there are, there are some similarities for sure. I just feel like based on, on what I've seen and what I've heard, even though people acknowledge or parents will acknowledge that they're feeling these certain ways, um, there's always someone that says, I still felt alone. I could talk to somebody, but there's, there's, there's still something missing. It's like, and again, it goes back to what we said, how people will acknowledge how they feel, but they'll wrap it up with like, oh, but it's so worth it, or I got over it or whatever. I just, I feel that even even though there's technically a community and support for people who struggle with parenthood, that's still not seen as okay. And that you have to get your shit together. Now, look, I, I will admit, I am somebody that has to get, like, I, I put all that onus on me to get my shit together. I don't coddle people. I don't, if someone needs, like, a lot of help, I am not that person. I am not a life coach. I never will be. I want, I like people who are trying to get their own shit together. I will support you. I will, I will be there for you, but you still have to do the work. I cannot do the work for you. I think that's another reason why I'm, it's really good that I don't have kids because I'm like, you got to figure out how to walk, talk, feed yourself. I, I, I can, I can, I can be your aunt, but I'm not going to parent you. And you that's, that's kind of how dog. I am. Like you got to figure adults. it out on your own. Like, exactly. Because I, I tell you the story about when she, when I first got this coffee table, she saw the cat getting on the coffee table. And like, I got in bed one night and she didn't come to bed, which is like weird. And then I just Who hear- Who are you talking about? Who are you talking my about? My dog. And I oh, just hear- okay, okay. Ur, ur, oh. <laughs> and I walk into the living room and she's on the coffee table and can't figure out how to get down. And I was like, you you got yourself up there. You got to get yourself down. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh-huh. Like, but like, she's got to be able to figure those things out. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> she just like- and here's the thing where I get to people like coddling. So my one of my friends is she she was like your brother. She had her son at 19. She she has reproductive issues. She was told she could never get pregnant and she wanted to be a mom. So she just kind of got pregnant by accident, ran with it because this could have been her only like chance, mm -hmm. right? When she sent her, she was a young mom, so she was more kind of like figure like we got to figure out how to make you like sustainable and stuff. And yeah, she got to kindergarten. He was the only kid in the class who could open a bag of chips. Wow. At wow. Five. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of scary. It's scary, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think I would be huh. a good, like, mom how people nowadays see moms. Because I'm like, they can do that. I was reading chapter books at four. Your kid can learn the alphabet. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You know, this this is, and, and I think because we're we're kind of at the end of the conversation, we're kind of go like we're gonna go a little bit because I want to I want to share something with this. I 
I've always been independent, but something was brought to my attention again during therapy. I, cause I, I, before my mom died, I went to grief counseling, which was something that actually I highly recommend if you know that she was in hospice already, right? So, well, no, she was, she was in and out of the hospital. She, she never was, she died at home actually. She wasn't in a hospice, but, um, I, because I didn't have like a really strong emotional support system, I, I was, I did feel like I was by myself. I did go to grief counseling and, one thing that was explained to me that I never thought of, because I, I had both parents growing up always, I did not understand that I actually had abandonment issues. Because my mom, I had a sick mom. My dad was home every night. He supported the family. But my mom was not well. And to me, that was normal. But I, already independent, already wanted to leave home at eight. But I had to figure a lot of stuff out on my own. Plus, growing up in a cult where there's so much not explained to you, I had to figure it out a lot on my own. So what happened was in reality, and this is something that I still work through, is that I do have abandonment issues to the point where I don't need other people. I can do this all on my own. So I'm 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 the I am never been codependent. I am the opposite where I don't need somebody. So collaborating is interesting because I'm like I actually do need people, but just I think like, I, I think I've expressed that my mom you know? is now in therapy. But I felt very emotionally abandoned when I became a teenager. Yeah. Number one, I was undiagnosed autistic. We didn't know why I was having meltdowns. All I knew was I couldn't control it, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I don't really have them anymore because now I, I, after 26 years of just kind of having to wing it, I figured out how to not have them. Um, but, you know... I also realized, like, when I was in therapy, because I did psychodynamic therapy, I, I realized that, you know, I'm super independent because I, I had enmeshment issues with my mother. Okay. I was her first kid. I was her first daughter. I'm the one who looks like her. And I picked a completely different life trajectory. I'm more like her sister, right? Yeah. Um, and when I was younger, she'd get really upset. And... I remember when I was in law school and I dropped out and my dad sat down and said, she went to law school for you. Like, finally said that to my mother. Mm -hmm. She didn't go because she had an overwhelming desire to be a, a, a lawyer. She wanted to be a writer and she's good at it. So I think you should just let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. You know? And, um, but also I didn't even realize I had abandonment issues because my sister was born when I was two and a half. Yeah. And I did not want a sibling. I was not ready to like de detach from my mother because my mother was almost too attentive to me, right? Right. There are things where you can be too attentive. And to me, it's like, had she waited until I was like in kindergarten to have my sister, we might have had a different story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I remember being very angry as a child because my mother. This is embarrassing. My mother brushed my teeth until I was 12 and my dad put her put his foot down. Oh, wow. Okay. She was a dental assistant and she saw way too many oh. kids coming in with cavities. That's why I've never had a cavity. And I can guarantee you when okay. she's here in two weeks, she's going to be like, brush your teeth longer. Like, she's, she's like, yeah. what toothpaste do you use? She replaced my toothpaste one time because back when I was in my, like, crunchy, all-natural phase, I was using, like, a brand, and she was like, that shit doesn't clean your teeth. <laughs> like, and she bought me Crest. I was like, mother. Oh, I don't like Crest. You know? And yeah. she still sometimes has, like, a hard time, like, and, and I know it's because she her whole identity was being my mom. Yeah. 
Right. But at the same time, when you make your whole identity your child and then your child turns into their own person, that causes issues. And then, like, for me, it was, like, she was so attentive that, like, I felt abandoned when she had my sister. Right. Okay, that makes and, sense. Yeah. Like, she couldn't breastfeed me because I was a preemie and I was being fed through a, I, through the dropper. Mm. And by the time I was big enough to latch, like, she tried to latch up me and I was like, no, I want my rubber plastic. Like, because mm. I had gotten so used to a bottle. Right. And so I think I felt jealous because I think even though I didn't, like, remember being a baby, like, like low-key, I was like, ew, like, why is my sister, like, why are you doing that? Like, ew, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't, I, I remember seeing my sister for the first time and just not feeling anything. And, and, you know, so I also, these are also decisions when it comes to parenthood of, mm-hmm. You know, people just are like, I want a second baby. Like, okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. But if you already have a child, that's another thing that, you know, I'm all for child therapy. I'm for throwing your kid in therapy at two if they want it, if they need it. You know what I mean? Um, See, that that's interesting on the sibling side of things because I have the opposite experience with my brother. I rem- I was three. We're three years apart. I remember um, the night my mom went into the hospital to give birth to him. And I remember seeing him for the first time. And I'll, I, I, and he, my parents did this where they gave me a gift and it, it was a gift from my unborn brother. So it was to kind of like set the tone that, you know, there's a new one coming along. And my brother and I have always been close. My my parents, like they wanted to give me a sibling. They, they actually thought, here's the thing. I think I was set up for failure from the beginning because they thought I was have my mom thought she was having a boy when she was pregnant with me, which explains so much. Um, and then, and, and my, my brother and I are like, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be like, um, gender roles, like, like classic gender roles, my brother is like the nurturer, the caregiver. I'm like, I'm doing it my way and I'm like, figure out your own shit. Like, so you guys were just born the opposite. We're, 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 <laughs> look, my brother's very masculine. Okay. Bear with me with the I think masculine nurturing. men but, are nurturing, though. Real masculine, non-toxic yeah. masculine. My, my, brother, my brother is, like, very masculine presenting and just the kindest person in the world. I'm very, fe- like, feminine presenting, and I am not super sensitive. Like, it, it takes me a minute. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, I, like, my experience was this was the first time, so my... My aunt would always watch me, but I wasn't allowed to spend the night at her house. So I got super excited when my mom got to, went to the hospital because she dropped me off at my aunt's house. And my aunt was like, I, she, my aunt made a bedroom for me in our house because she was like, now your mom's going to trust me to take you overnight. Let's go. Like, let's, this is going to be fun. Um, yeah. I had so many toys at her house. Like, it was crazy. Um, like, if you walked into her house, you'd think she had a toddler. <laughs> like, for real. Yeah. But, um... I, I was so excited. And then the next day she's like, well, we got to go see your little sister. And I was like, do we have to? Like, I was no, not so you, Like, we, we were both set up, but in different ways. Because I right. remember, like, it, and I guess that dynamic has kind of stayed the same with you and your sister. So, my brother and I have always said Number one, I was my mom's, like, I was my mom's. I would not let anyone but my mom and my aunt hold me. I would scream if anybody but my mom or my aunt held me. And I walk into the hospital and immediately see my mom hooked up to all these machines. And that's terrifying. Oh, that is terrifying. It's terrifying when you see your parent like that at the age of 20-something. Right. Let alone a child. So yeah. I was already like, Mommy, are you okay? I, like, immediately started crying. Mm-hmm. And then 
I saw them take my sister's temperature and my sister was like all gooey, like a newborn. I remember saying like, is it an alien? Like, Mine was flaky. Yours was gooey. My brother was flaky. And I was like, I want a new brother because he's flaky. <laughs> he, like, all these, he was a few days late. So he was like, you know, covered in like the dry skin. skin. Yeah. 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 And I was like, no, I don't want that. We were both early, but my sister was way bigger than I was. I was okay. like, I was not cooked. I was not cooked. Let me tell you, I was not cooked. Um, I was four pounds when I was born. Um, oh, wow. And I saw them take her temperature. Well, they take newborns temperatures by sticking the thermometer in their butt. I think I knew or that. Or at least yeah. used to. Okay. So I'm like watching that. And then the nurse goes, I have to take your mom's temperature. And I said, no, you're not allowed to stick something up my mom's butt. Like, I was just so concerned that my mom was going to have the sticks shoved up her butt. <laughs> Although I used to also... My mom used to give me suppositories, and one time I announced to my teacher that my mom stuck candles up my butt, so I was just, <laughs> I was a child who didn't want anything going You were one of those area. kids, okay, okay. I was one of those kids. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> I'm the kid who's, like, my parents have weed, and it's just, like, dandelions in front of their house, like, that kind of kid. Um, gotcha. I was the kid who would, like, tell you anything, but I was not afraid to be, like, they got me a bitty baby too. And I remember the first time my mom's like, you want to hold your sister? And I'm pretty sure that the picture of my face is like, and I'm like two and a half, I'm like three, like. So so that explains what we, we, we need to go through the rest, but I feel like that explains why at three, you were comfortable in saying, I don't want to have kids. Yeah, I didn't like the screaming. I used to lock myself in the room. My grandmother says that like I would lock myself in my room to just not hear the screaming. And one time she came over and my mom literally said, Lauren, if you don't come out here right now, I'm never letting you lock yourself in your room again. <laughs> my, like my mom had so many parenting moments with me that were just like the opposite of what you expect to hear from. The you know, and, and honestly, like I... I ever I'm just like so grateful that that's not going to be my experience. <laughs> Apparently, my mom like, was like, "I was not prepared for you. Like you were really yeah. well but like the things that like you would do." She said, "I came out basically forty years old." I came out thirty. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I think that a lot of child-free people have kind of I've seen it in groups where a lot of child-free people have said I didn't even like other kids when I was a kid yeah, <laughs> like, no, I wanted to be with the adults I wanted to hang out with the oh people. totally totally like, totally I so, mean okay. like, we got extreme emotional highs and lows we just went through all of that yes but let's go ritualistic and sometimes public confessions of sin again I think this goes back to the people who are like I was child-free once but also too let's look at the day of social media where now we have blogs we have um anonymous confession boards right ritualistic well look there's uh, everything about about impending parenthood even to me is ritualistic like baby showers uh just just how people talk i, I just look even dating to that matter because a lot of people are trying to find someone to procreate with is it is it bad that i refuse to go to baby showers now no, I, I, I haven't been to one in almost 10 years, and I, and I wouldn't go. I bridal showers. I like bridal showers. Ooh, that's a little pushing it for me now, too. I'm just... Well, is there an open bar at the bridal shower? <laughs> well, what happens if you don't drink? <laughs> What's the fun in that? Um, well, I don't drink very much. Um, I um, just need one drink, and I'm good. I mean, that's kind of how it works me, at this point. But... Me, uh, like, 
drinking champagne. I, weddings, I, I, that's one of the reasons I don't want a wedding because I literally would not be able to handle it if, um, if like I had to be sober because I can't imagine that level of like stress. My dog. Oh um, yeah. I just. <laughs> Kids, am I right? No, I'm joking. Well, I don't have pets. Well, that and I don't want them. Um, um, she's pouting now because I'm not paying attention to her. But um, so, yeah, I think that like almost everything's ritualistic. And I almost feel like it's like a rite of passage. Like when I was pregnant uh, with my son and like, or, or my fetus son, because they told me he was a boy and I didn't ask. Um, anyway, they just offered that information, which was also something that I think medical professionals really need to start asking. Do you want to know? Yeah. Again, back to this, um, because now I can't get it out of my head and yeah. catch myself talking like that. But I'm child free, and so that's like something for me to deal with too. It, you know it's a I mean? lot, yeah, for sure. Um, but when I was pregnant, I said I don't want a baby shower because I wasn't really like all in to it, you know? Right. And a lot of my friends who were moms were like, oh, my God, no, but like everybody has a baby shower. And I was like, I'm being forced into this. I don't want to make this somebody else's problem. But mm -hmm. it's like even if, if you deny the rituals, you're looked at as weird. Like if someone was to say, no, yes. I'm having a baby yeah. and this is my choice, but I don't want a baby shower, people would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But it's like well, this isn't anybody else's problem. To me, it was like a very – I'm a very individualistic person. So to me, it wasn't anyone else's problem. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like people want to be involved in the good stuff, like the fun stuff. They want to be in, you know, the baby shower. They want to say, hey, congratulations, you're having a kid. But then, but when you really need, like, the true support, when you need, like, the, the real stuff, where are people? You know what I mean? And I feel like, and, and I don't even know where this, this comes into play in this particular slide. But uh, oh, in general, I, I just feel that the people you do get abandoned. And, you know, I'm not even a big ceremony person. Like, I didn't like gra my graduation ceremonies. I was like, oh, what's the boring. point? And they're boring. And mm -hmm. I the only cool part of mine was I got to hug Josh Groban. Okay? What? What? Yeah, he what? was my commencement speaker. No I got way. to hug him with Josh Groban. I um, love Josh That was Josh the only Groban. part because he's very attractive. He also sang Move On from... Uh, from uh, How sang come you never told me from, this before? From... <laughs> oh, Sunday in the Park with George. It's my favorite you song. You know what, Lori? Like, sometimes you just, like, tell me, like, the randomest shit. And it's like, I want your life... <laughs> I'm on a mission to hug Josh Groban. I love Josh. I Groban. mean, there's also pictures of me with Obama's attorney general. So like, I don't give a <laughs> shit about that. I'm sorry. You got oh, yeah. okay. Let's let's continue. Anyway, yeah. So I'm just not. I'm not into rituals anyway. They all seem kind of weird to me. Like I said, I will be into rituals if they involve Josh Groban. All right. So any ritual I have, I have to get Josh Groban to come. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> it was cool for me though. Cause it was like the first time they chose a commencement speaker that was like music related. And that was my major and yeah. writing. So it was like, oh, cool. he's amazing. Um, love him. He's a beautiful voice of an angel. He Josh Groban. If you ever hear this, we love you. Yes. <laughs> but also he seems like, I mean, he's like a, like, he's just cool guy. Yeah. He's uh, oh, he actually God. started his commencement speech by saying, I didn't go to college. So I feel like a poser. It was like really funny. I, I, just, I think he's hysterical. He's like like a cute nerd and he's just like 
he's insanely talented. Oh, I I was he's just playing, I was just playing some of his songs on the piano this morning because I, I just love him. Anyway, let's let's keep going because now I'm gonna get all flustered. Um, um you're just living vicariously through me. Totally, um, and I I've don't also, live vicariously through people. But I've also I, met Brendan Yuri, so like that's cool too. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, phobia indoctrination, in in not in inculcating. Inculcating fears. I think that's supposed to be inoculating fears, but I think I got cut off. I was gonna say I don't think I'm familiar with that word. <laughs> I think it's inoculating fears about leaving the group or questioning the leader's Good authority. Okay. No happiness or fulfillment possible outside of the group. Terrible biggest thing there. If you leave hell, demon possession, incurable disease, accident, suicide, insanity. Um, I do think that terrible consequences. Like you're gonna die alone and your your cats are going to eat you and you're gonna your body's gonna be there for five months before anybody notices when in reality if you listen to nursing home nurses people who didn't have children have a flood of people coming to visit them and parents are sometimes just left alone well here's the thing with that to me and and not just necessarily the 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 elder care thing it's like when you don't have offspring you are still relying on yourself to create your own support system. You're, you're creating your own friendships. You're creating your own community. I find that people, and this is again, blanket statement, but you know, I, I find that people are, they go, well, I have kids, so I don't need to make an effort, which is, I had this discussion with my dad yesterday because it was his birthday. And he was giving examples, even in his, in his own family of people that had one biological kid and they weren't speaking on speaking terms, but they had a wider uh, support network and here's, you know, they were welcomed everywhere. Like again, and I had a grandfather who had 16 kids and still died alone, but he never went out to have relationships with people except for women. <laughs> Hence the 16 oh, kids. But, like, <laughs> sorry, grandpa. But you know, I, I just feel like when, when you are, and also too, some of us are into solitude but I, that does not mean that I, I want to, like, be, like, I, there's a difference between being alone and lonely, right? But also, to having someone check in on you. It's up to me to develop the skill set to create a support network. I'm not going to be relying on even my nephews to be in there. I, I mean, it'd be great if they were, but it's still up to me to have relationships with people where we, you know, it's it's, it's a, a genuine connection, right? And that takes work on... I mean, and my aunt was an involved aunt by choice. Yeah. And I will be the one taking care of her. There are some people that, that disagree with doing that because they're like, well, you didn't put in the work. Therefore, you should not get the benefit of having. I have four siblings. My parents will be fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have three siblings. My parents will be there fine. There you go. I mean, people uh, say the stupidest things about that anyway, but. Um... Oh, no, they do. And they say the dumbest things, but it's like if if she was an involved aunt by choice, then I can be an involved niece by choice. And exactly. That's choice. And exactly. just like if your nephews want to help with your elder care when you're older, it's like it's because you you were an involved aunt. And like look, yeah. There's a difference between being an aunt and then being involved. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah. You know, shunning of those who leave, fear of being rejected by friends and family, never a legitimate reason to leave. Those who leave are weak, undisciplined, unspiritual, worldly, brainwashed by family or counselor. And actually, I got a text from someone who is in child-free chat, who's in another clubhouse room, where they were talking about child-free single women and wealth. 
and she said, I, I got the same text. <laughs> this, this had a man call us child-free single women, a cult having an agenda and hating children. Come on, man, get it together. Yeah, no, I got, I got like the other thing. It's like people say, oh, child-free people need to go to therapy and unpack their shit. I'm like, I did unpack my shit. That's why I'm child-free. Yeah. No, I, it's, yeah. Now, so this, this for me, the whole leaving thing. Now, we've talked about, like, it's kind of hard to leave parenthood. Once you're in it, you're kind of in it. Unless right. you make other arrangements, I well, suppose. Well, leave parenthood all the time. Yeah. Well, and you know what? To some extent, and I, I, I don't know if actually I can say this. I think that but, some I mean, parents like, just check out. You don't have to physically leave. But well, there well are that's true because, leave. like, look, my brother is a single dad of two kids who has his kids full time. So read between the lines there. Um, it's like I just see so many women complaining that their kid's father don't doesn't want to pay child support, doesn't yeah. see them, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, so people do check out of parenthood. Well, and like That's you said, you can have these conversations before you become a parent. Yeah. I mean, you can still, you can still like technically be taking care of your kids, but emotionally, if you're gone, you're gone. And I think there's some parents who just check out emotionally, even though they're going through the motions. That's when you hear a lot of yeah. boomer parents saying, but I fed you and clothed you. And it's like, that's the bare minimum. Yeah. Well, and you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think... Like, I, again, I never question my decision. I think because I have these conversations more, I, I dive a little deep into what it would be like emotionally if I were a parent, just out of curiosity. Um, again, using being an aunt as an example, because I know how I am invested in when they're, when my nephews are here, you know, I'm very... It's, it's about them. I mean, they're of an age now where we all kind of do our own thing in the morning and then we hang out and, you know, it's very easy breezy. But it's yeah, still, I'm, sure I'm tired like after like five and seven. It was oh, different. gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was you're you're constantly on. Like I couldn't sleep when they were young. I couldn't sleep at night because the minute I would hear a wrestling in the guest room, I'd be like awake and going, are they OK? Are they OK? Like I just you're you, you can't. It's like you're sleeping with one eye and one ear open and it's exhausting. <laughs> And then one time I woke up at one o'clock in the morning. I moved into this new place. I had a new guest bed. And then I hear this little voice, Andy, I puked. And dude vomited everywhere all over my new bed. And I was like, oh, he was fine. Did you say they sneezed one time all over themselves? No. Well, oh, yeah, 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 he did. The vomiting <laughs> thing was more, that was was way beyond the sneezing thing. Be I have Kleenexes, like, because I have a SUV, so I have Kleenexes in all, like, the doors. Because like, after that sneezing. After that, and that was years ago. I've never recovered from that. But the you don't have a mom-mobile. You have an auntie-mobile. I have an, like, I, I love my CX-5. It's great. Um, It's fully loaded. It's beautiful. Um, you know, when I get a new car, like, I like your car. I might get your car. I, You know what? Here's the thing. Like, look, here. here's the thing. I, I did finally recover after the vomit story, but it was, I mean, I was calling my, my brother at three in the morning. He, he lives in a different town. Like, come get your kid. And then I was like, the, the little guy was like puking in the bathroom. And I'm like, my bed, my bed. And then he's like, auntie. And I'm like, he's like, you know, covered in vomit. I'm like, all right, look after the kid first. Don't worry about the when bed. My, like my, my, I was kind of like torn. With my parents went on their honeymoon. I got, I was at my grandparents' house and I got the worst stomach virus that I had ever had and my mom was trying to leave their honeymoon early because I think I've said like my parents got married when I was like 10 or 12 I don't even remember how old I was but um 
Yeah, my mom was trying to leave the honeymoon early because, like, she couldn't sleep. Like, my dad, that was the worst trip because your mom just kept long distance calling home from Aruba. Like, is she okay? Is yeah, she I mean, look. <laughs> and this this is, like, one of the first slides we talked about of, like, you're you're kind of, like, on a different schedule. I mean, there, there's so many... Oh, God, I don't know. There's... there's what there's made so it worse better. is that... I was like still 10, so I still wanted my mom, and I had been kind of out of the mommy phase for a little bit. Like, I stopped okay. calling your mommy, and apparently my grandmother said what made it worse was my grandfather kept telling my mom how I was asking for my mommy. Oh, well, what? <laughs> and she was Emotional like, control, yeah. yes. You want an example of emotional control? There you got it. I mean, yeah. I, and I, and I want to say, okay, we, we should start wrapping up. Um because it's been now five hours. We we fulfilled our end of the bargain. We made it to five hours. Good job, Lore. Thank you, Rebecca, for being here. And thank you to our audience who's who stuck with oh, us. And, Tabitha you know. came in. Um, I did, there was a couple comments. I think this is gonna be our we'll, phase. We, we, will, we will go through the comments in a, in a sec. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, I was gonna say something and I forgot. Um, what was the last? Oh, with the emotional control thing. Oh yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this for a second. Um, Again, from the cis female point of view, this is probably the biggest thing is the emotional aspect of being a mother. And that above all else was something I didn't want to experience because I, I mean, I knew the relationship I had with my mother was very challenging because we did not look alike. A lot of it had to, like, I mean, again, biracial girl. My mom was your color and tiny woman. And there's nothing that really, I kind of look like her a little more now, but not really. The older um, I get, the more I look like my mother. But there's there there was such a divide, and I never had a connection. I never felt much of a connection to my parents, even though, like, they... I mean, there was many, many reasons probably why. But that... I, I saw what I put my mother through emotionally, and I stand by how I was. And again, I've, I've had therapy, so I've worked through that, and I don't feel a sense of guilt. It was just... That was our natural dynamic. And we became friends, you know, after I left home at 18, and... We were friends the last five years of her life. So again, I don't have that guilt factor of it. But I knew, I knew instinctively, like, I did not want this to be my life. I did not want to have a daughter or a son where we were constantly butting heads. Like, that's not how I wanted to live my adult life. Because I, I didn't necessarily love my childhood. And so, you know, when I think of, like, the the emotional aspect, like, the pronatalism throws motherhood at you. Like, this is going to be the most beautiful thing. This is what you're meant to do. And again, keep in mind that we're speaking from the female point of view. It's like, this is, it, it's thrown at us so much that it makes you think, well, wait a second. What am I missing if I don't experience this? But look what you may have to deal with if you do experience it. And so, right. and that goes it's to that unfair to me. You know? And I remember the first TikTok video I made that blew up was, like, about women saying you'll never know true love and that woman said you'll never know true fear and i was like that's still the same thing like you're still putting what it what, what that statement does to me true love true fear whatever is it it inflates you you don't know my life right, right. i could have been I, I could have been being chased by michael myers at that moment for all you know i'm sure that's true fear right um <laughs> But it's like, I'm still afraid of people that, I mean, I have a tattoo on my wrist of my 11th and 12th grade English teacher, something she said to me. And when she died, she died of an overdose and I was so scared. I'm like, I don't think that this is like, 
it's like on one hand, I don't want to go through that emotional turmoil. I don't want to put myself in that space, but it's it's also kind of like, oh, child-free people don't ever have any negative emotions. They don't have any, they don't really love people. I'm scared of people who honestly think you don't feel true love until you have a kid because I'm like, does your husband know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, do your friends know? Does your uh-huh. mom know uh-huh. that you've never loved anybody except for your child? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like something that people just say. I Again, I think with a lot of the bingos, just kind of wrapping this all up into pronatalism, I honestly think that a lot of people don't think before they say the bingos. I, I think agree. they're just saying it, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially that true love thing. It's like when you're really thinking about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Have you never loved another human in your life until your kids? I'm more scared of you in that aspect than I would be scared of somebody who absolutely didn't want to be around kids. Yeah. Because can you feel like, and, and I don't think, I don't think that the people who say that are cold, like, again, I, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but it's like a statement where it's like, if you actually think about the meaning of that statement, I bet you nobody would say it if they were thinking. Mm-hmm. If they were thinking. Well, on that note, uh, let's go over some final, do you want to go through the audience stuff and then we will wrap yeah. it up? Because we've now been five hours and we're kind of done. <laughs> Mind so you, this there is- was one comment I wanted to address um, about being child-free and pet-free. Oh, okay. Let me scroll. I just have a oh. quick disclaimer to throw out on behalf of the pet parents. This one here? Um, yes. Was it this one? Child-free and pet-free. I get evil looks when I do not pet people's pets and often get asked why I don't like pets. Um, those people are bad pet owners. I don't allow anyone to pet my dog unless I know them. Because you never know. I, um, the people giving you evil looks, I, I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer. That's bad pet owning. Because you don't know. I don't I don't know if I've said this before, but I don't let anyone under the age of 10 pet my dog or my cat because I don't know how they're going to react. Right. Or if they know pet, pet things. Um, those pet owners are definitely bad pet owners. And you can tell them that on behalf of me if they give you bad looks. <laughs> I think... Um, another one let's see somebody flaky and gooey siblings yeah we have <laughs> um oh it was a good one tabitha said child free here while i love children and love being an auntie i am good on children i will be a fur mama though but i prefer the freedom of my life and i think that's where me and you are and mm-hmm. i think that no mine matter, is the pet thing yes i mean besides the pet thing however um those people are bad pets that's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> why would I want someone random to touch my dog if I don't know how they treat animals? You know, that, that, is, like, that is weird. Like it's like the people who are like, okay. you didn't say hi to my kid. It's like I don't want strangers. Yeah, I mean, do, like do people, that, people do that. It, That's just, it's just weird. I'm like stranger danger exists for everyone, even yeah. me. Like if I don't know you, please don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, please continue to stay six feet away from me at all times. <laughs> we're not. We're going back to that. Um, but I think just child-free auntie and i i really hope that our conversation when it gets out can prove to people that child-free women do have children involved in their lives they do have other people involved in their lives and that we are an important i mean even me like just sharing my experience of having a child-free aunt and then now being child-free it's like Mm -hmm. that's one thing that i really hope i can get across i think um but I think is I, I think we have proved that there is a lot of societal control, whether it comes to behavior, thoughts, emotions. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that people can 
hear this conversation um, and really start to reflect. Again, I'm not going to speak for Lenora. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. But for me, my child-free advocacy and my advocacy trying to create a branch between child-free people and parents is that it's not child-free people and it's not parents who are causing this. It is the idea of pronatalism and it hurts everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've tried to bring up throughout this conversation that it hurts moms as well because it hurts everybody. And when we really talk about choice, we're talking about the freedom to be respected, to do what we want and to accept everybody else's choices to, I mean, to a degree, but you know, yeah, I think as long as you're not being detrimental to anyone else or yourself, you're good in my book. And I think that's at the core, what we're doing here. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I, I would say in at least our spaces, I think that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. No, I agree. And on, on that note, we will wrap. Uh, so first of all, thank you, Laura, for uh, having this conversation today. This has been amazing. Um, how can people reach you? Um, I My Instagram is badfitchesofficial. And all of my other social media, Twitter, TikTok, badfitches, um, and my website. So... We'll we'll put uh, descriptions in the links. And if you are the person on Instagram who has the bad pitches handle, once again, I am please asking you to give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get it. We'll get it for you eventually. Um, (laughs) So uh, if you guys have any thoughts or comments, of course, if you're watching the replays, uh, this will, well, the podcast will be slightly edited, but you can always put your thoughts below um if you need to keep something private and want to share you can email us at childfreemedia at gmail.com uh, if you want to find me personally you can find me at childfree blog on instagram facebook and twitter uh also you can follow childfree media all Isn't on all twitter? social media platforms as well oh no right no not t- not twitter not twitter tiktok even though i'm yeah i'm at glass underscore violin on tiktok no i'm Twitter. I need to stop talking. This my brain's like dead. We have <laughs> talked, I think, more than we've talked at a live event. In- oh my goodness! Yeah, this is this has been. This great. was longer uh, even than the child <laughs> podcast. Like, let's be honest. So this was, a lot. this was a lot. Again, so thank you, Rebecca, for being our troll patroller today. Thank you to our audience, our our live chat audience, and for all your thoughts and everything. And of course, if you're watching the replays, um, keep telling us. Let us know what you think. Uh, you're welcome to disagree, agree, whatever. It's all good. Uh, again, so we will sign off now. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day and we will chat soon. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.